So I need to finish a story I started, at least in the first service, about Jack. I was, it, it caught the attention of a couple people who talked to me, so I corrected it in the second. But if you were in the first or if you were paying attention online, the last time I preached, I left you with a picture of Jack angry at me. And then in my brain, I tied it all together. But for the rest of you who were not there with me and are not in my brain, which is a good thing for you, you were left hanging with an angry Jack. Ironically, by the way, Jack attended the second service that day, only he came late, so he missed the whole story. So when we went up and talked to him afterwards, he had no clue what we were talking about. And I said, well, yeah, I threw you under the bus, especially in the, in the first service where they just think you're mad at me still. He was not, in fact, angry, but because we were fasting, he was hangry. That's the angry hungry. He needed food. In fact, he needed a big BLT slathered in mayonnaise all over, just dripping. For those of you that, like me, enjoy mayonnaise and had to suffer through last week's smearing of mayonnaise, pun completely intended on that. By the way, also, chat pun in that song, I can only imagine what it will be like. Sorry, the dad pun was just like hanging on me uh, the minute he said that. Speaking of fasting, by the way, which I spoke of last time I preached about a month ago, two months ago, I can't remember. I would encourage you, as I mentioned then, to pick a day this week, if you are able to, to fast for our budget and for grace. As I was preaching then, I said I could have encouraged it that week, but I really didn't have a particular thing to fast over, and I think that's an important part of fasting, to fast with intention, not just too fast, other than as a spiritual discipline, it can be valuable to do that for its own purposes, to become familiar with it. If you missed that sermon and you want to find out more, even where you disagree with me, you can go check that out. It's online. But I would encourage our family here at Grace to fast over our budget and to fast for grace. And if you want to, you can also fast with 2022 right around the corner for the next year. Speaking of budgets, as we think about the next year, and you can fast for our country, but at least fast for grace. And I would encourage you pick one or two meals. I would say breakfast and lunch or just lunch. And when those hunger pangs make you a little hangry like Jack was, then remember to pray and also make sure you don't take that hunger out on other people. But that's the purpose of fasting, to drive us to prayer, to remind us that we are not just physical creatures, but that we are spiritual beings. So I would encourage you to fast. Those of you who are able, eat dinner. This will be my suggestion. Eat dinner, and then the next day, either skip breakfast or intend to skip just lunch that day. Skip both of them, and throughout the day until the next dinner. So go dinner to dinner if you can, or breakfast to dinner if you only want to skip one meal. But pick the right day. Again, Awana workers, don't do that Wednesday. I will because I am helping out with youth on Tuesday. That's my intention at least, unless I forget, is to fast on Wednesday. It's an easier day for me. But don't pick your hard day. That's a bad plan. Pick a day where you aren't going to encounter an angry boss or coworker while you're starving because that's a bad plan and a recipe for disaster. Let's turn a different corner. Today we're going to talk about the household of God. So I have a question for you. What are the benefits of church attendance? 
what do you get from showing up today? If, if someone were to ask you that over Thanksgiving, if a friend or a coworker or a family member were to ask over the next few weeks and say, how has church been beneficial for you or to you, what would you answer them with? Think of a couple things. I'm going to give you a few answers right now. This comes from a recent Christianity Today article by Tyler Vanderweel and Brandon Case, and it's a study from Harvard. It's not from my alma mater, Biola, or one of the other Christian schools. This is Harvard. Here's a quote. Our findings aren't unique. A number of large, well-designed research studies have found that religious service attendance is associated with greater longevity, less depression, less suicide, less smoking, less substance abuse, better cancer and cardiovascular disease survival, less divorce, greater social support, greater meaning in life, greater life satisfaction, more volunteering, and greater civic engagement, end quote. That's from Harvard, not a bastion of Christianity, a good school, an excellent school, a top school. But this isn't where most people are going to get trained in ministry. This isn't a self-serving research article, which I would argue the other schools are not doing that either, but it can't be accused of that because that's not Harvard's intention. That's simply what they found. Now, do Christians struggle with all of those things? Certainly. Christians have heart attacks still. It's not like going to church exempts you from that. But that was one that jumped out to me. Wait, we actually do better in regard to cancer and cardiovascular disease and that's documentable? That's observable? That, by the way, might, might be evidence for answering prayer. And I would say take the word might out, because that's the only answer. Well, it's not the only answer. There are some others, but that is a primary answer. Do Christians struggle with depression? Yes, we do. And I would encourage you to take care of your mental health, first by going to God and the church but also by going to good medicine and science, going and seeing a counselor. Do we deal with divorce? Yes, we do. And the statistic is too close to the other statistic, but it also is less. Both of those are true statements. And for those of you that have endured or are going through divorce, that is not meant as a condemning statement. It's by God's grace, this would be another thing that studies could show, it's by God's grace that I would imagine we go through divorce better as well. That we endure through it better because we have community and we have a different outlook on life. All of that goes into it, but that's an amazing list to answer. Now it's very important to remember that Paul makes a point in 1 Corinthians 15, I won't read it, but I would encourage you to go look at that chapter, that if all we benefit is for this life, then we are the most pitiable of people. That eternity is the real answer. That I am right with God and I look forward to eternity with him on the new earth, rejoicing and living life as he intended, living out our purpose. That is the ultimate answer. But Harvard can't really study that one. 
At least not yet. That's, that's in eternity. And so it has these other ones. While eternity is most important, there are benefits in this life too. This, by the way, is an, is an argument or perhaps the argument for why churches should keep their tax exemption status. It's valuable for society. It is good for a community, not just individuals, but that is looking at the individual benefit. So remember, if you, if you forget everything else I say today, Remember, first, to show up to church, but second, invite someone to church. They literally need the benefits of that list, and they will get it statistically by attending church. We know there's more to it than that, but statistically, they will benefit by attending church. However, let's go take a look at some of the more than that, some of what Scripture says about the household of God. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 This is probably the passage on why you should attend church. It's a command in there. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, eternity, drawing near. So first, Reverse order, I guess. But first, meet together. That we aren't supposed to do what some were and to stop meeting together. That's the command in Scripture to go to church. As a pastor, we always kind of wish if it was a little more clear there. (laughs) That it was just go to church. Like it would be so simple. Go to church. Why should I go to church? He told you to. Go to church. It says that. Instead, it's meet together. He's talking about church. Get together. Specifically in that, or along with that, I guess would be a better way to say that, we should challenge each other to loving good deeds. That should be what's going on and taking place here, among other things. That as we meet together, we're challenging each other, iron sharpening iron. And just before that, although I think connected to it also, that we are to hold fast to that confession of hope, hold fast without wavering. Individually, but it butts up right next to that meet together. We also do that collectively. We encourage each other in that collectively. I want you to imagine for a minute, we always talk about the early church. Imagine telling the early church how often we simply choose not to join our church service. Well, I didn't go last week or the last month. It's been a decade. Think of if we were to talk to Peter or Paul or any one of the 1,000 Marys that exist in Scripture, their face, when we told them we had opted out, that we weren't even trying, that it was just us and Jesus, and that was enough. Imagine their response. And I always think that it would be different, that they would look at us in horror, and yet the author had to say, meet together unlike what some people were doing. And I always assumed that was kind of persecution and pressure. They lived, despite how you feel about right now, they lived in a harder era than we do in regard to faith. Much harder. Yes, I think Christians in the United States are facing some persecution. I hate it when people challenge that. And I think, what are they experiencing or looking at differently 
than a lot of the people I know that are encountering things. Maybe not a lot, but some of the people I know that are encountering things. But we are not being used as human candles like they were in the first century. And we're not being slaughtered for entertainment like they were in the first century. So it certainly is not to that same degree, at least here in the United States. Are there martyrs throughout the world right now? Yes, there are. In fact, it is many. But if you pause and think about it, maybe it was the enticement of the Mediterranean. You've seen the pictures. I would think that's a little bit of a draw in the face of a worship service. Or the festivities of the games. It wasn't all the death of Christians. Maybe they were excited about chariot races and different things, just like we are about football today, or fantasy sports, or a day of soccer yesterday, if any of you were at the soccer field. Or just a day relaxing at home, albeit they didn't have books, and they didn't have media of any kind. So when I try to fathom that one, I'm not sure exactly what they did at home besides work. Granted, they certainly ate and hung out with their family. But maybe it wasn't that different than us. Maybe they struggled with the same thing. Certainly, there was this. There was a movement that they stopped, some of them stopped going to church. And so the author of Hebrews says, meet together. You benefit from going. It will strengthen your unwavering attachment to that confession of hope. And it will challenge you to love and good deeds. And you will benefit from the love and good deeds of others. In case you didn't catch it in there, by the way, this is a local church passage. And it's not even a church in Corinth or church in Ephesus or to all the churches in Santa Maria kind of local church. It's a church building passage. And I don't mean the building itself, but I mean that specific of a local. It's the people that you meet with within these four walls or these hallways on this property as we encounter each other here at Grace or whatever church you have attended in the past. It's that specific of a local church. You meet together with them together. That was an intentional double use of together, by the way. In fact, the passages today that I will use are all, at least primarily, local and specific church instruction passages, not just universal or even local to this area. They're specific to each group of Christians that are meeting together and bumping into each other and having conversations and living life together. Here's the next one, 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Paul's been telling Timothy how to instruct the church, that would be local, big, yes, universal, also all Christians all time, but that would be the churches that Timothy's working with. But it's, how, it's the instructions for how each of those individual groups and gatherings are supposed to interact with each other. How we ought to behave in the household of God. We call that church. And some of the things, if you read 1 Timothy, you could, you could read through that today. It's six chapters long. It'll take you about a half hour, maybe 40 minutes. You could read through it this week. But what you'll see in there is it gives instructions for elders and deacons 
and how we're supposed to interact with each other. It gives instructions for taking care of widows and when not to take care of widows and when widows should maybe think of getting remarried and when families should take care of that. All kinds of things are brought up in 1 Timothy of how a local group of Christians should interact with each other, both in a big collective way and also then, of course, in an individual living out their faith way. You'll find lots of instructions to Timothy about how to behave in the household of God. Paul then, in or also in Galatians 6, tells us how we ought to behave in the household of God. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So first, do good to everyone. Santa Maria should know us as Christians because we are out there loving the city of Santa Maria. We are out there doing good to everyone that we encounter. If the Christian were plucked away, taken away, Santa Maria ought to suffer. And it would, by the way. If you doubt that, please go find out what Christians are doing in town, both collectively and individually. Santa Maria might not always know what it would miss out on if we were gone. But it definitely would miss out on things. But that's a challenge to us. Do good to everyone. But then it turns, especially to those who are the household of faith, that we are to do good to the other Christians that we encounter. Now, that doesn't matter which church they go to in Santa Maria, but it certainly, again, is a primary, primarily intended for us as we interact with each other on a weekly basis. That as you bump into somebody at Awana, you are good to them. That you encounter somebody in the grocery store that you saw on the other side of the sanctuary on Sunday. That you are good to them. At least as you are able to. That's what we are challenged to. Especially to those of the household of faith. Good to everyone. But in particular good to those who are Christians. Now this is a little more universal, but that, that broader local sense. How many times have you been somewhere... And bumped into somebody who was a Christian that you just met. And there was all of a sudden a connection. That's because of Christ and the church. That's a benefit that we have. That no matter where we go in the world, and we hear somebody's a Christian, our ears should perk up. Recently, I was at a wedding. We checked into the hotel. I had my Bible out on top of my bags as we were checking in. And the guy that was checking me in said, I noticed your Bible and that you're part of the kingdom. And it was a cool interaction. We had a blast interacting with him for the two days that we were there. It was a better bed and breakfast. So we, you encounter the staff a little more than maybe at a regular hotel at a bed and breakfast. And it was really cool to just encounter him a little bit as two Christians that didn't know each other before. So this one certainly is not only a very local church passage, but particularly. In Galatians 2 and 5, here's a little more context on it. It says this, bear one another's burdens. This is where it gets very local. He and I were not bearing each other's burdens. We were enjoying an extended family visit. This is where we bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But just a couple verses later in verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. The Bible's not contradicting itself here. It knows what it's saying. First, hey, look around. 
that list of benefits, there are going to be some people that we need to help through depression and some other things. They need their family to help out, both their literal family and their spiritual family. And we can help carry their burdens. And to each individual, before you just look through that first part of Galatians or the other where, in other passages where it says, hey, people should be doing good for me. Why aren't they? Well, that's the Galatians 6, 5 verse. You, you have to carry your own load too. Both are taking place in the church. I have a great illustration from youth ministry for this. We go to Hume Lake and the cabins are on a hill. And the guys always seem to be at the top of the hill. The girls also are always, literally, always at the top of the hill. But they have the nice dorms, so the guys really don't care to hear the girls complain about it. Their dorms are really nice. The guys' dorms are good. Uh, They're sufficient good. Sometimes nice good, but not usually. Usually the guys' dorms are the old ones. We're at the top of the hill, and every once in a while, I have a tiny little junior high kid. Before they hit their growth spurt, you know the one where you show up and you go, you were two feet shorter last Sunday. What happened? They said, well, I ate, like I can tell, uh, and that's good. Your body just shot through the roof. They're like, yeah, my legs, my knees really feel the growing pains. This is before that, little junior higher. You could, we don't do this, but you could stick them in their bag. That's how, you know, that's who I'm talking about. Little junior higher, we hit the hill, and this kid has packed everything in their room, everything, and it's none of, none of which they needed. They forgot their clothes, definitely forgot socks and underwear, but they packed all their fun stuff, so they have it all in a bag. It's super heavy, and they're just dragging it up mud and slush and snow and rock and having a miserable time, and I will come along, and actually, they have a bag. They have a sleeping bag. Their pillow dropped in the mud a couple feet back, and they're, they're not going to pick it up. Sorry, moms. That's just how it goes, but they're struggling up the hill, And I will come along, and I'm a little bigger than they are, but I also have more stuff than them. I have my backpack. Sometimes I have what I I call the pea pod, and it's got three sleeping bags in it, and I'm carrying that thing too, and I got another trip I got to make. And so I'll gauge, is this a kid that needs my help, or is this a kid that needs to learn a lesson? And at least in my head, it'll go something like this. Hey, kid, you packed it. You carry it. Verse 5, you need to carry your own load. Maybe you need to learn a lesson here. I will always, by the way, in that scenario, stay behind them and make sure that they get up the hill muttering and complaining and everything else on top of that. Other times it'll be, hey, this is usually if I say it, you got this. You need to learn your lesson. But you got it. Let's go. And I'll walk with them and I'll talk so that they don't mutter and definitely don't swear and, you know, other things, but that they grow in their faith and that they make it up the hill And I'll just say, take your time. It's all right. You'll get there. Downhill on Monday is easier. It all rolls downhill. So, like, you just got to make it one time. But other times it's verse 2. Hey, kid, let me help. And I'll reach down. I'll grab the back end, the part that's dragging and and making it harder because it's like a bulldozer. They now have a wall of, like, 10 feet of dirt that's making it heavier and heavier all the time. Let me help. Or let's swap. You take my backpack, and of course, I am capable of taking the two heavy bags, which is not always fun, but we make it up the hill. But I, I try to read the situation. Which one do they need? Do they need me as the dad and as their youth pastor to come in and help the little junior hire that's getting left behind in his cabin? His best friends are screaming up the hill because it's their second year and they know how to pack now, or they just packed lighter, or do they need me? to take the time with them to help, which way to help, really. 
And both happen in church. And there's going to be times you feel like the junior high kid that's looking at me like, why won't you pick this up? And I'm looking at him. I'm like, why did you pack everything? And other times I'll just come along and I won't ask. And I'll pick it up. Both are helping. One they really like. The other one they really need. And your church sometimes has to figure that out too. We figure that out together. But the thing is, we have to carry the load. We have to carry the load. And sometimes it's one that we carry on our own with the encouragement of our church family. And sometimes it's one that we carry with the help of our church family. Really, either way is the help. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. Speaking of suffering and laboring up a hill. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, in fairness, this is a body and not a family image that is being discussed. It's the same thing. Both are talking about the church. But this time Paul is talking about a body. It's actually even more closely connected than a family. No matter how much your family loves you, your body is inseparable. Families, at least, will go off to work and sometimes live in different houses because as we grow up or whatever. So it's body, not family, but the same group and idea is in mind. All rejoice together. When one is rejoicing, we all rejoice. Last spring, there was a really cool picture of this for me taking place at Grace, and most of you probably missed it, but I made the paper on a Saturday night because of coaching. My team made the paper, but my name was in it. I didn't even know. I had looked for the article, missed it. I didn't know it was in there. And, but I had people coming up in the hallways and just say, hey, coach, great job. I'm like, what's going on today? Uh, I mean, I know people know that I coach, but, like, it's not usually this affirming in the hallway. Like, this much a conversation, always affirm, but this much of a conversation. It was our own, since Christmas movies are coming up, it was our own Buddy the Elf moment when he screams out, Santa, I know him. That... We're, we're in relationship, and it was playing out in our hallways as people that just walked up, they saw it in the paper, they're like, great job, coach. Hey, I know you. It was so cool. I was reading the paper. I know you. And they wanted to tell me, and it was so much fun. We were rejoicing together. That's what it's talking about. And when, we, when one is suffering, we all are feeling that suffering. When, really right now, as our youth staff is going through several tough, tough seasons of life, we're all feeling it with each other. We're praying for each other because we see the suffering of someone that we care about, our family, our body. And we feel their pain, and they are feeling ours. And as the leader of that group, I would ask that you would pray for our youth staff. It's a hard season of life for us right now. And not on the ministry side. This is on the life side. Well, okay, it's on both. We love your students. When they suffer, we feel that suffering too. So be, please be praying for our youth staff, even if you don't know the names. You could also find out what the names are and how you can pray for them. Bump into them. When you see the picture posted on Facebook from time to time and you recognize an adult, go walk up and say, how can I pray for you? Same with Awana staff and, all, and the rest of them, kidsmen, our deacons our elders, whoever you bump into, our coffee team. There are real people with real pains. They're going through that, your Sunday school class. 
all going through that. These are some of the passages where Scripture talks about church, specifically with the one body one, specifically the family or the household of God. So what do we do with these? How do we live this out? I mean, some of it's obvious. Pray for somebody. Help pick up a load. Recognize them. Get to know them. I want to start with some cautions. And I'll be honest, I almost cut this section out. Uh, Some of you along with me are are listening to the Mars Hill, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, and it landed Friday, and I made the mistake of listening to it from 1.30 to 4 o'clock in the morning on Friday, Saturday. Uh, But it really kind of made me think about this section. Do I just cut it out completely? And I think the answer is no. We need to be careful not to drift into abuse, spiritual abuse or church abuse and struggles and stuff. That's not really what I'm talking about. So if that... If you hear that when I'm saying this, that's not where I'm going. What I'm talking about is just some cautions about disconnecting family if we really understand that concept. It's been an interesting COVID reset for all churches, especially in the United States. And yeah, there are certainly times to leave a church, but if we get the family concept, we should be very hesitant. It should not be simple, and it should not be easy. It should be something that we labor and struggle over before we would ever do that. I'm not saying we never do. Again, the the podcast really made me struggle through. How do I I present this? How do I talk about this? But if we understand family, then it should have an impact on our connecting and disconnecting with a local church. Especially in the United States where pastors and church people and even non-pastors, I mean like the people that study them, but, and then just people attending churches have noticed for decades at this point, consumerism rampant in the church. The way we typically interact with churches as an American Christian is like we interact with with everything else in our culture and our life. That we can just pick and choose. That I can grab this because I want to, it's just like I go to the grocery store. Ah, there's so many options. This is the one I like. Okay, over here, ah, different brand, different thing. This one, and we, we just kind of make our own smorgasbord or buffet line out of church. But imagine trying to apply the family and the body imagery in scripture to that setting in that way it doesn't really work here's another illustration for you imagine a couple weeks in thanksgiving if one of the teenagers that that is in your household thought turkey day was optional at grandma's house grandma i gotta be honest i'm 17 now and you have the worst mashed potatoes in the city and my friend enjoys the best so I'm going to show up because I like the family, but right around dinner time, I'm checking out and I'm going to their place. That's cool, right? Imagine grandma's response. And that is often how we are interacting as Americans or as this current era in history. I don't know how wide it goes outside of the United States, but that's often how we're acting regarding it. And we need to be cautious that we don't let 
consumerism drift into our interactions and our engagement with the church. Here's what I tell students that are double dipping. They're going to more than one church. And this may surprise you based off of what I just said. That's great. If it's a supplement, that's great. Very few of us are struggling with too much church in our life. It's possible. I've seen it. But very few of us are dedicating too much time to God and faith and scripture. Most of us would say, yeah, I could probably add a little more. I could pray more. I could read my Bible more. I could go to church more. There's a couple. I'd, some, of us, some, by the way, too much. I, I'll, leave the, I'll allow that. But it's not a common problem. So great if it's a supplement. I don't care if our students go to one youth group on Wednesday night and ours on Tuesday and maybe somewhere else on Thursday or a small group here or there. That's great. They need more. Did you, see, did you hear that list that I, that I read before? They need more of that, our students especially, especially coming through COVID. There's plenty of studies on that. They need more. I'm not going to tell them not to, but did you catch the word supplement? It's an addition, not a replacement. Because they need to know their home church. Every Christian should know our home church, where we connect and give and serve and where we're members and where we work through issues because it's tough sometimes, just like family, where we bump into people in the hallways and we go to church functions and we know whose food to avoid in the potluck line because we don't like it unless they're right next to us and then we know we have to eat it anyways. And of course, that's not your food. It's somebody else's. Where we know those things, where we're family. But we need to know our home church. Also, one last caution that I always tell our students, and there's more that we can talk through. If you're interested, email me or let's talk some time about some, some of the things that we need to be careful of with this. But here's the big one. I always tell our students this. When it comes up, I mean, I don't talk about it all the time, but Scripture never promises or commands best friends. Family, not best friends. There's a subtle but distinct difference there. If you're angry that the church still has not produced your best friends, you're expecting the wrong thing from the church. We are a family, and family, you know this from your own siblings, family are not always best friends. They're family. They're ride or die, but that doesn't mean you want to go to Disneyland with them. Now, some families love that, but your family might not. And I, and I do know that not all families are ride or die, and I'm... I grieve, suffer with you. I grieve with families that aren't. But you kind of know what I mean, I think. Now, let's talk about the positive. It's better anyways. How do we connect? This is the spiritual discipline or disciplines of church, by the way. How do we connect here in grace? How do we meet together and do good for each other and challenge each other and love each other? And there's certainly more than what I will go through, but I'm going to go through a lot. It's very important you catch that it's about connecting and not merely attending. This isn't about numbers. This is about what we talk about all the time, disciple making disciples. It's not about adding more people, although it is about getting more people to enjoy those benefits. They need it. But it's not about getting better numbers and we can pat each other on the back and say, look at what we did, which isn't really what we did anyway. It's not about numbers. Here's one, and this is super simple. Be early and leave late instead of showing up late and leaving early. A lot of people do this. 
I don't know why nobody knows me and I don't know anybody. Well, tell me what time you got here and what time you left. Well, and trust me, it's tough sometimes. It took us 20 extra minutes to get here. Yeah, I know. Maybe you should go 30 minutes early then because then you'll get there on time because that's how life works, right? Well, I had to check out early. You're like, that's great. One time. No, every week I have something that keeps me from being able to stick around and talk in the hallways. Well, that's fine. But don't be surprised you're not connected then. You are not connecting. So be early and leave late. Find someone to talk to. Better if it's with people. Because sometimes it's awkward if it's one-on-one and new people, especially for the introvert. The extrovert's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's wonderful. That's my favorite. It's the best to meet everybody. And the everybody is thinking, please don't come up to me right now. Okay. But introverts, stretch a little, find someone to talk to. At least this, be findable so others can talk with you, so they can come up and talk to you. Here's another one. You did it earlier. You're doing it. Sing and pray together. We connect when we pray with each other. We connect when we sing together. Engage in that. It makes a difference. Join a Sunday school class In a small group, we have both of those going on at Grace. I'm talking to you adults. Join a Sunday school class at 1030. You can do it today in 27 minutes. You can walk into a classroom and hop in. Even if you get the wrong one, they'll put up with you at least a week and then tell you where to go the next week. There's not really a wrong one if you're in the adult Sunday school classes. Now, you show up in my youth room, then we'll have a little chat. you got to go through a cap process, lots of things. So, like... We need the right people in our children's and youth ministries, and we need to background check them and make sure and all this. I'm not saying you're not the right person, but like some of them you can't just walk into, but the adult ones you can. Just walk in as an adult. Say, hey, I'd like to sit in on your class today. Talk to somebody. You'll connect. Go more than once, by the way. You don't get to go once. Be like, checky box. I'm good. Nobody talked to me. I don't know anybody. I'm out. That's not engagement. Youth. You can take all of those benefits that I started with, and you can add a couple more for students. First, I mentioned this, during COVID, we know students are really struggling with mental health, really struggling with mental health. Go figure. You take everything from their life and tell them they have to sit at home with their parents who now want to kill them because the parents are like, I didn't win in this one. I love my kids, but I need a break from them from time to time. You took everything, sports, and friends, and everything else, and locked us down for a while, and Newsom's still going, and you're like, hmm, okay, i walk away from that. But um, <laughs> our teens are suffering, struggling with mental health. You want to know what helps them? Church and youth group. It's proven. They have studies out of the last two years. As a youth pastor, I'm like, yes, we already knew this, but thank you for the science. Thank you for backing us up. Here's the other one, and this is Forever, the last 20 plus years, every couple years, a new study comes out. This one's from Stanford. I'm not going to just, there's one, the most recent one I saw was 2018 from Stanford. It's linked in my notes uh, if you see them this week or, or next week, whenever they pop up. Or you can just email me. Students that go to youth group, students connected to church, they get better grades and do better at school. Statistically, I can't promise your kid is going to become an A student. That is not what I'm promising. I'm just saying collectively, they do better at school. Every study they've ever done with the ones I've bumped into, one 
time, youth group got, deplay, got moved down to second place and, and got the, the first place one were the kids that are volunteering at the hospital. The ones that all want to become doctors have to have like 4.0 or whatever. Like, yeah, those kids, they like slipped up in one study. You want to know what the best answer is? Send your kid to youth group and then to the hospital to go volunteer and they'll be like perfect students. Again, I can't promise that. I'm just saying statistically. So get your kids to church and youth group. They need it. We've intentionally created a youth ministries for what your teen kid needs. And that's why sometimes they show up and they're like, mm, I didn't have a lot of fun. Like, yeah, veggies don't always taste good, but you need it. You need them. As a supplement to church, by the way, if you just send your kid to youth group and not to church, Sticky Faith and some other studies will show you the outcome of that. It's not a good thing. But as a supplement, your kids are going to thrive, and we've done that on purpose. Our Sunday school scope, where they get a whole concept of scripture right now we're going through it on light speed one book a, a, a week trying to do something fun that i've thought about doing with junior high for a while we're doing it with everybody usually we take six years to go through the whole scope of scripture so that they understand when they get out of high school what scripture is said at least if they've been showing up and what they're paying attention to tuesday nights we get them into small groups where they're connecting with other people and with mentors staff that we've intentionally put there staff that i love and that do an awesome job we've put all this in place on purpose our special events we don't just do fun stuff although we've added that in because kids are really struggling because community was taken away we've always done it and when i say we added in we beefed it up we're looking around like they just need to connect. Exactly what I'm talking about now. They need to bump into other Christian kids and the mentors and the Christ and scripture. And that's why I love my job. By the way, Zoom and Facebook Live on Tuesday nights for youth group, the stream for Grace here, that's for all the times you can't come to church for whatever reason because you still need to connect. But if you, as Benji talked about last week, if you have the ability to connect beyond that, do that. But when I pulled the Facebook Live up on a couple Tuesday nights ago, one of the kids, looked, they could see my phone, and they're like, you only have a couple people logged on. If I did a TikTok, I'd have 100 right away. I'm like, that's not the point. The, po the point is for the one or two that can't make it. And for those of you with teen kids, by the way, if they can't make it on a Tuesday night, jump on the church's Facebook and sing with them and then talk about some of this stuff. Sometimes we cut it short. Last week we weren't able to do it. Sometimes it's not there. But most weeks I'll click it on because when I look at those and I'm like, oh, wow, we got eight. That's not a high number. But I see which eight they were. I'm like, that kid couldn't make it. But they still connected. That former kid, they can't connect because they're too old and they're out of the area, but they still connected with Christ. That's awesome. Bump into each other in the hallways. There's a value. i got to wrap this up. I'm running out of time. This was supposed to be a shorter one. I'd apologize, but I'm not sorry. So, Bump into each other in the hallway. One of the things COVID taught me is the value of casual fellowship. I've been one of the people that have bad-mouthed it. You need to go past coffee and donuts. Yeah, right up until the coffee and donuts are taken away. And then you realize, oh, my goodness, we need the coffee and donuts. We need to talk about football so that we can talk about life. Because especially as guys and, and sometimes on the introvert side of the scale, we need to connect over something so that we can go to the deep connect. 
Attend special events. Teenagers was yesterday. This week is packed. It's up on the screen. There's a prayer meeting at 5.30, an evening service tonight at 6. Youth group is Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8.30. Men's Bible study is Wednesday morning at freakishly early in the morning, so I don't even know what time it is, but it's in your bulletin. Awana Food Follies is this week. Come and join a meal for really cheap. It's like a buck. Get pizza and then send your kids to Awana. College and Young Professionals is this Thursday night at the church at 6.30. We have a free meal. We're buying the food. You don't have to pay. If you're not going to come because it doesn't cost you anything, fine. It costs you 10 bucks. But everybody else, you get to show up for free and get food, whatever you need, by the way. Don't, don't not come because it costs money because it doesn't. And don't not come because it doesn't cost money because I'm happy to charge you. But College and Professionals, I love Santa Maria, but it is hard being college and young professional. Not going to lie. I've watched people for ages. Don't wallow disconnected in town. If that's you, come join us. It's dinner, and then we're going to sing, worship. Dinner and worship. That's all we're doing Thursday night here at 630 in the Ed Building. And then women's ministry is on Friday night. See the insert for details. Uh, By the definition of those groups, every one of you fits into at least one of those, especially since a couple of those were the whole church. So you can connect. Might not fit your time, maybe it will. Serve, find a place to serve. We all know if we've served that we connect so much better and also learn better, by the way, when we're serving. Give money. Give to grace. Invest your money without strings attached, by the way. We have the budget out there. Go fast over it and pray over it, but also give to it. And the building. By the way, I did the quick math today. We have about a million dollars that we owe, a little less on the budget and our budget, I mean on the building, our budget's gonna come in at, at around, well, I don't, it's out there. It's like high eight, 900,000 in there. It's a little below a million. If we had 190 giving units, we'd make, knock both out of the park this year. We're averaging, and I know not everybody can do that, averaging 835 bucks a month. That's not that much. I know it's a lot, but it's not that much. That's both, that's not one, that's both. No debt. No, that, that'd be awesome. If it doesn't happen, guess what? Still awesome. I'm just saying. I like numbers that way. I like simple numbers, actually. A little deeper. Forgive and extend grace. We will step on each other's toes here at Grace. And by the way, your toes aren't the only ones hurting. You've probably stepped on a couple as well. Do good for others here at Grace. Find a way to do that. And then also be ambassadors to this city. Ambassadors to a world that needs the gospel. If you don't know Christ, that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins so that we would not be condemned, but that we would rejoice for eternity worshiping him. And that is not playing a harp and singing the songs that you don't like. You need to find out what worshiping him means. That if we put our faith in Christ, that we are saved and forgiven. That is a quick version of the gospel. John 3.16. Go read it. Quick version of the gospel. You want a longer one? Read Romans 1 through 8. Quick version of the gospel. And a longer version of the gospel. And by the way, please come talk to us. If you want want to ask about that, any one of us would be happy to, or at least I would. I'll be in here today. You can go to Sunday school class. You can bump into somebody that's an elder, one of the you can go into the kids' Sunday school class and say, hey, real quick, I know I'm not supposed to be here. What's the gospel? They'll tell you. The kids will tell you. And then we'll try to help you figure out what it means to 
to follow Christ. The world needs the gospel, but here's the other, other thing. The people around us need holy community, like here at Grace. So when you're talking with people, own and share the benefits of going to church, whether it's your family at Thanksgiving or a coworker tomorrow. Here's what I get out of going to church, and it's amazing. And again, the two studies I mentioned, they're from Harvard and Stanford, not Christian schools. This is what the world recognizes about the benefits of faith. Here's the cool thing. You, literally you, y'all, you are the household of God. You are the household of faith in Santa Maria, and we are the family of grace, and I love you all. Let's pray. Lord, it is such a blessing to come to church each week, multiple times a week when we're able to, to serve and bless our kids and, to be honest, to be blessed by our teenagers. It is a joy to worship as we're going to do together, to worship you, our God, our Savior, and to worship together, to hear the notes of the person standing next to me and behind me and in front of me. be blessed as a family. Lord, help us to see the benefits and to share them with the people around us. We praise your name. Amen.